and we're off. Yeah. Oh, what just happened? How long you been waiting for that one? I know. It's been two days. I was yes. nervous. I was like, do yes. I still get to come in with this? Nicely Take done. Welcome everyone to, what are we calling this? The Catholic rant? Oh. I think, uh, I don't know, Catholic stuff and uh, Gregorian rant. Stuff and rant. Gregorian stuff you should know. The 411 sessions. Rant stuff. That was on the calendar. I like that one. Well, welcome everyone. We have two podcasts coming together today. So we have uh, the illustrious Catholic stuff you should know. Father Mike Rapp and Father Here John I Neppel. am. Good to be with you. Illustrious. I'll take it. Illustrious. And we have, uh, what's our podcast called? Gregorian Rant. Oh, that's right. Okay. I did tell you guys, I warned you to be ready at the beginning. Mike, he's like a buck and bronco well, that just John, comes right out of the okay. gun on you. John hate, hate, hates <laughs> that, but I had to do this one. Because this guy said it. he was the king of, and we're off. And we're off. That's true. He does do that. That's so, a right claim to fame now. That's well, specifically just that. Not the actual podcast. It's just my intro. Not anymore. Now That's you're right. left with That's your right. turtleneck and your capri pants. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh, I need to ramp up here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome everybody to the show. Uh, so Catholic stuff, you guys have what, 15 years, something like that now? Uh, 12 years, 12 years. And maybe With a maybe couple for, breaks, maybe for the, uh, the roller coaster for the listeners, for the, from our podcast, maybe give a brief, how'd you guys start? What are you about? Oh, we started because the Pope Benedict in 2010, um, in January said that all Catholics should figure out creative ways to evangelize the digital continent. He said, this is new. We have globalized and the internet is going to be an important um, means of communication and that we um, should use it to the glory of God. And so we said, well, we know a bunch of, a bunch of random Catholic things and let's try to talk about them. We had both kind of come across the concept of a podcast independently. And then in the fall of, I guess it would have been 2009, God, this is a long time ago. Um, we're getting old. We, uh, we were kind of putting our heads together like, Hey, let's, let's start this thing. Stuff you should know was a famous podcast at the time still is. Uh, yeah. And, uh, we wrote them and they foolishly wrote us back and said, sure, you can do this. And I'm sure they've regretted (laughs) that ever since. So yeah. Where'd J10 initiative come from? January, 2010 was the, the, that was the Pope's uh, intention that month for the evangelization of this digital continent, as Mike was saying. Um, and uh, so the idea was w- multiple j- initiatives would be started, but there's the oh, J10 right. initiative. <laughs> it's the podcast. So the uh, <laughs> that's, that's it. I was that's on Catholic stuff once. Yes, and you were. I remember it because I was really nervous. I'd never been on a podcast, and I remember we were at, we recorded. I think at Brady's place at Cabrini, but I just remember Goble sat perpendicular across a chair the way you're not supposed to sit and was like bored out of his mind the entire time oh, oh, and no. was like oh this is great yeah intentionally that's really fun we Love also had a, a, a father brian larkin character that gobel would true. play with a british accent and thoroughly obnoxious yes that's i would true. say the strong majority of the people who have listened to the podcast over years Really believe that you had a British accent, and we're kind of a Mrs. Doubtfire type personality. So it's nice that we can clear the air. And yeah. is that not true? Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're happy to be with you guys. This is great. So, yeah. Gregorian rant. When did you guys start? We started about a year and a half ago. 
And it took some convincing um, on my part to get Father Brian involved. And the whole concept for me, so I'm newer to the faith, was confirmed about three years ago now. And trying to explain to my buddies, best friends from home, this thing called Catholicism and um, why I'm not living with my girlfriend slash fiance to be wife, all these kind of church teachings. You live with your wife now though. Now we do. Yeah. Now it's approved. That's probably better. And uh, I always said, I wish Father Brian was in my pocket to explain because I would always like butcher it and they'd be more confused. Like, what are you talking about? So finally got him to uh, agree to it. But it was kind of a selfish way. I'd rather just say, hey, listen to this than attempt to explain it at this point. But now I just get quizzed all the time. And this Father Brian Larkin is, if you had like, if you could program a Siri to give you Catholic answers, you just say, Father Brian Larkin, what's... You know, what's the first year of the Council of Chalcedon? <laughs> the Brian year Larkin. is 540. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, what does N.T. Wright say about Romans chapter 8? That's I, right. I, I, I did appreciate when we, we attempted to record some of these. And I, the one thing I enjoyed about, about it the most was his scripture knowledge. It's like, memor- not like, but it's memorized. And like most of the time when he starts talking, I'm like, he is not reading this right now. And so then we got to like actually prove it. And yeah, we we're really talking you up, buddy. I know, I know. right? Hey, all, hey you know minute. what? You've you've got a nice goatee. Hey, <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, That's new. You guys I haven't, haven't seen, seen this. Yeah, nope. let me introduce does that, you. Does that itch itch you on the uh, while you're uh, like, on, the, on microphone. the microphone? On the microphone. Yeah. Oh, it just reminds me that it's awesome. And it's really long and thick. <laughs> it's like the opposite rat tail. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, just on the other side. Well, I'm going for Pharaoh. I wanted to grow it out feral length and then square it off and braid it, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What is feral length? What is that? Uh, feral length of? is probably um, uh, probably eight, um, 10 inches. 10 inches. Okay. That's, That's ambitious. I don't know. You got to go find a, a feral. Hope you go to yeah. Jamaica and they put like beads in it. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Viking anyway, so. I'm kind of the, the, the runt of the Vikings. You're the smallest Viking. Viking in the pack. <laughs> but a Viking so nonetheless. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to prove something. This could be dangerous. We could have a lot of banter. It's like, we no. have a lot of history. Poor Patrick today is stuck with three priests. Father Mike's sister is engaged to my college roommate. That is unbelievable. That yeah. is unbelievable. It's great, yeah. yeah. And they met independent, right, of, each, of this relationship. Yeah. yeah. So Mike Lazari, who I think you shouted out, Marsha and Mike, yeah, yeah, recently. Uh, but they probably don't listen to mine. So. I was telling this story to somebody yesterday. Um, did they, did he go to the dentist and yeah. she was his dental hygienist? And she was, yeah, dental <laughs> hygienist secretary. And he just says, oh, that girl's awesome. And Good for him. Is that what he says? She's awesome. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says something like, dude, I haven't she's dated very for a attractive. <laughs> yeah. So he was, yeah, he was pursuing her for a while and then we figured out that there's connections. Girl's awesome. I'd love to surf with her sometime. That's what oh most guys say. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm a celibate. Awesome. I'm a celibate, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've been out of the game, Patrick. All right. So quick shout outs. If you guys have any, I have one shout out I want to do, maybe two. So kind of like Grace's. But uh, the big one, I think I can say it because this will come out uh, after. Can I say it? No, it's coming out tomorrow. Oh, it's coming out tomorrow. Okay. Be you got to wait for the next one. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that one later. So my big shout out then is to uh, 
all the people who put on the Triduum liturgies in parishes. It's a lot more work than you would think. Yeah. And so Dorothy Fannensteel, who I don't think oh, listens yes, to, yes, yes. to podcasts, but if Fun she does, God bless you, Dorothy. We love you. I love you, Dorothy. I miss you. You're, you're <laughs> awesome. She is the best. She is the best. Lights up the room. Uh, I, I'll give a shout out to another Fannensteel. So Donna Walker and Tom Walker up in Crested Butte, friends, um, she's a Fannensteel also. And they all, oh, wow. all the Fannensteels, these Volga Deutsch in Northwestern Kansas, they're all, I think, from Hayes. Is that where Dorothy's from? I don't know. Okay. So I don't know if Tom and Donna listen either. So all the, if there is a fan in Steel who actually listens, uh, let us know because we'll let shout you know. out. Yeah. Amazing. But Tom and Donna, great friends. Happy Easter to you. This is kind of like, this kind of is like graces at Lord's Day. Mike, what's your grace? Well, what's your shout out? Well, I want to shout out a fan in Steel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any other fan in Steel. Uh, my, uh, my first grade teacher got in touch oh. through a, another friend and, um, she is, she loves the podcast and she's very proud of me. And she communicated that Mrs. K, she was every boy's crush. Oh, and wow. I thought she was awesome. <laughs> so what's up, Mrs. <laughs> K? <laughs> Mike, just Mike, okay. Mike yeah, sorry. Yeah, just, <laughs> it took a second. Right, sorry, right, fellas. I got it. Right, yeah. fellas. Well played. I'm going to go good old father stew. All That's right. coming out today. Okay. The 13th as we record this. And I'm obsessed with that movie. Yeah. I've, I have referenced that movie for the past month on our... Still, I still need to see it. Is it every theater? I just I saw this so. little movie about St. Nectarius, and it was only playing at one theater, so I wasn't sure about Father Stu, because I want to see it. See if Fan and Steel? What Father did Stu, you... Fan and Steel. <laughs> <laughs> that very same. No, I'm pretty sure it's, uh, it's everywhere. Coming okay. out today. Right on. Let's yeah. go see it. All right. Well, today I'm moving us along. All right. Keep it real. So today we got a, uh, our topic today, the four of us, we're going to talk about... I don't think you know about this yet. I know. I was just thinking that. Did did we tell Mike? That's all right. Okay. It's probably probably for the best. Uh, Today we're going to talk about Catholic high schools and what Catholic high schools should look like. And we kind of thought it was an interesting topic. Father John and I are on the board of a new Catholic high school. Uh, Father Mike went to a Catholic high school. We're not sure you're actually Catholic. I feel like this is a setup. This <laughs> <laughs> is a setup. Surprise. Oh. Uh, Patrick, has, his wife was like, and actually Morgan took pictures of her, all of her photos at Holy Family. Patrick's wife was like the all-star at Holy Family Catholic High School. But you never went to a Catholic school. You were, uh, you're, if, you don't, if you don't listen to our podcast, Patrick is a football player. He played f- football for CU. He's a tight end, University of Colorado. Him and I have roughly the same build. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. That's right. You're pulling it off well now, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, grew, I grew into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Steph was like, somehow, I didn't know this. Uh, Morgan sent me photos. She went up there like a week ago, and I knew Steph was a stud, but she has all these photos lining up like as you walk down the hall. I've never really walked Holy Family. Um, but it kind of impressed me. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't realize this is as Hall of Famer, all yeah. state Hall of Fame basketball player. Yeah. And or, tennis and the whole Giltner clan was, was she like uh, studs. president of the student body and, uh, prom queen. I want to say maybe prom queen. She was big. You know what she was big in? Random fact, Irish Step dance. dancing. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. She's shy about doing it now, but she is. I've seen it. It's yeah. She had the full videos. Anyways, but I'm 
all public schools, never once considered any private school, let alone Catholic, elementary, high school, college. Yeah. Except for Notre Dame. That's a good point. So we got three public school, one Catholic school. You're running a Catholic school. Uh, elementary, uh, elementary school. school. Elementary school. Yeah, and now, now working, we're, we're just talking, Father Brian and I are talking about this a lot because of being on the board at John Paul the Great High School, but uh, we thought it'd be a fun topic just to kind of <sighs> roll out like, what, what, if you can dream this thing up, uh, if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, what should it look like? Like, I think we have a lot of, we got a lot of thoughts on there. Just wondering how you want to go about it. I don't really know. <clears throat> this is, so at, at Gregorian Rant, we just kind of fly by the seat this of our This is a brainstorm. It's a brainstorming session. Yeah, this is, this is kind of crazy, but. Uh, well, then I'll just throw this out there. Processions. I love processions. <laughs> I want to see one once a month. You got to go around the school, maybe around the, the block and at least to the community garden. That's kind of a deal breaker Processions. for you. You got to go to St. Mary's down the street then because Father Luis Granados was, rode a donkey into the church what? on Sunday. <laughs> Did he, he really? Was, he was the only one small enough apparently for the weight. There's a weight oh, limit on these see, things. That's what I'm talking about. I Pageantry. Know, they are. The, these guys are Spaniards who run this uh, parish down uh, south of Lourdes and they are all about processions. Wow. So, he, see, you're not making awesome. this up. No, I'm dead serious. This is real. Wow. Told me that on Sunday. Are you going to have a marching what? band? I don't know. I, I hadn't thought of that as essential to a Catholic school. <laughs> it's for the perception. I'm open to the discussion. <laughs> That's actually my question. Like a lot of things that are, I grew up with and like, even for the high school you guys are on, if you have sports, what's the decal? Just John Paul? Hope? So like it's not. That was the first two questions I got from these kids, the buyer kids. The first one is what's the mascot? And then the girls were like, uh, what are the palm uniforms going to look like? And I was like, that's like number five on my list right now. So yes. I'll get back to you. you so know? what's the priority? That's, that's kind of the question. Like when you think of it, how do you design a quote unquote authentically Catholic <clears throat> high school? Well, let's start with a provocative statement that's not exactly true, but will help get the conversation going, right? It's always better when it's There not seems exactly to be two true. extremes. There seems to be ca- older yeah. tradition Catholic schools that have really focused on academic rigor and excellence and extracurricular activities, especially sports, but have lost their Catholic identity. Now there's also the, a movement to start, which oftentimes a lot smaller schools, but they're saying no more sports. We're doing the kind of classical thing, so we're not going to focus on AP and these different things. Um, but it's not the same kind of experience. So you, so you're Patrick Davini, and your kid is going into high school, and you're like, I want to have an authentic Catholic experience like this one, but I also want them to have real. There's a real kind of human formation that happens in sports, in yeah. drama, and music, and these things. Um, and uh, if you have a tiny Catholic school and you've excluded those things, you're not going to be able to you're not going to get that full experience. So parents seem to me to say, we want everything, but how do you get it all to work together? Correct. That's my basic well, sense. Well, and how it. do you build? Because you do have to set priorities and then build. It's a small group that'll start, you know, limited funds, all that stuff. So you can dream big, but, you know, yeah, there's the, the balance of, we have to set long-term priorities and kind of center what do we think a good Catholic school is going to be and a good education. And then, um, yeah, how do we want to get to this point where we have a rounded experience for you know high and schoolers? I think most of the listeners for our two podcasts would agree that we want the full experience. Uh, 
I think a lot of people out there, they just want a private education. Right? Yeah. And then it, it feels also with, with public schools, with everything in the news, there's the whole Florida thing going on with Ron DeSantis. Uh, that's elementary level. But it seems like public schools in general have lost a lot of credibility. I think the pandemic too has shut that down and I think or made them lose some credibility. And now, right, you have a lot of Catholics who are saying, you know, the government is really anti-family and they're really anti-faith. And, and so we get a lot of listeners who want that. Um, so I, I think the people would be on the board that we want, we want all these together. Um, I think the question is, how do you do that? Yeah. How do you yeah. do that? How can, do you can I not, just, yeah. just um, to sort of add, add to this idea of, I just want a private school. Yes. I think that's driven by <clears throat> this um, upward mobility kind of American dream of success. That's the bottom line. That's the end. You know, the telos is we want success for these kids and we want to set them up to experience success in every way, you know, sports, um, education, yep. and then give them what they consider the best tools to get into the best school and then get the best job and get their yeah. career started and everything. So it's success, but it's one specific definition of success, Yeah, I think which that's is kind critical. of financial and with this standard for life experience, like successful childhood looks like this successful adulthood looks like this. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with economics and competition. Yeah. All right. Question for you, Larkin. Um, classical model, um, designating a school as classical high school. Is that, is that a deal breaker for you? Is that just like important? How do we qualify that? Uh, what are your thoughts? Just can you that define that? Everybody asks me what that is and I'm not even sure <laughs> That's how to what I was I think define it, that. Um, yeah. Patrick, you should be able to do this by now, right? <laughs> I wish that's still the million dollar question. I've never heard an explanation. We kind of joked about this with the gala. It was like my priority to try to get an elevator pitch on what classical is. Cause every time I hear it, it's always a 30 minute explanation that is kind of all over the place. Like I, I, you hear it and it's like, I want that for Gianna. Like there's no question. I want her to have classical education, but then if somebody in my family is like, why? I'm like, well, I just, I've seen the outcome. I right. don't really yeah. know how to explain it though. I would say like this needs more definition around it, but I heard the guy, the president of Hillsdale, I always forget his name, Larry something or other. Great guy. He almost became Catholic. He told me, I was talking to him for a while. Uh, with this Jimmy, is the Jimmy Mulvihill. Jimmy Mulvihill. <laughs> Shout out Jimmy Shout Mulvihill. Out Jimmy Mulvihill. <laughs> it was at Jimmy Mulvihill's house. So, but, so this Hillsdale is like the famous, it's classical a preeminent, school. I would say it's a yeah. preeminent, okay. it sets the cat, standard. like really um, classical school in the country. It's not Catholic. It's in Michigan. So he said, he said the real difference between a classical education and what modern education is, is he said the modern, modern institutions of education uh, believe that children are a product mm. and classical education sees them as persons. And I think that the one just, I think the other way to say the same thing at a 30,000 foot level is that it's what you were getting at, Mike, is that there's two definitions of success, the modern education, and it's good to contrast it with modern education. I think the modern education has a uh, functionalistic definition of success. It's all about money and career, which are not bad things, of course, but that a classical education very simply just means the whole person. 
And I think like from the Hillsdale perspective, classical, I prefer the language of liberal arts. Or, yeah. Um, I think that classical gets kind of siloed into like specific curriculums. Like um, you have to do the quadrivium this way and this kind of thing. And um, the kind of liberal arts, and this is like Elias Mu, we have a great superintendent of schools here. And he's really said he wants to kind of shift the language. And I think that's helpful because the liberal arts um, is exactly what you're saying, that Liber, uh, to free a person, you're freeing the mind by forming them. Um, it's not designated by some other alternate end. So the American public school system is set up by John Dewey, who's this early, uh, educational theorist from early 20th century. And his whole project was to make, um, citizens. But so it was really about just kind of coercing them into, this is what it means to be an American. This is what it means to this. And now it's just become, uh, it just even more reinforced by what you were talking about of just this kind of we're producing people who will think this way. Yeah. I think I think public schools, maybe with a few exceptions, uh, are not an option anymore yeah. because of the influence of ideology and this kind of the product that you have to you have to produce now. If you go to the, you know the, the typical public school system, um, there we have some great um, charter schools. Uh, in in Denver in the yeah. area, um, but how long they're going to be able to operate without this kind of political coercion and ideological force? Who knows? Um, but yeah, I do, with I, government money. But the Christian the Christian ethos or the Christian worldview in the Middle Ages inherited the ancient world. So when we say classical, right. we're classical. not talking about we're not talking about like just third fourth century Greece. Like we're talking about the kind of whole Western patrimony. Uh, the ancient world, the Greek, Greco-Roman world, but then the way that Christianity uh, assimilated that um, and elevated it by grace, that's very different than the total break that happens with modernity. And then especially in the 20th century, when everything gets kind of hijacked by these new kind of political revolutions. Well, and the, the Dewey model, the way that you described it, requires an ideology in order to form someone the way that you want to. So it's not surprising that teachers are taking liberties to be the moral formators and um, see themselves as the ones who need to teach kids how to think about politics and society and morality, which is, I mean, the pushback right now is this is the parent's role and the, the teachers are supposed to promote certain simple ethics, you know, respect for other students, um, discipline, these kinds of things. But on big issues of um, how people should think about controversial things, you are seeing uh, silos that are very minimalist in, um, in terms of these ideologies, whether it's left-wing, right-wing. And the hope for classical education is holistic, right? It's yep. about forming a whole person and not... I, I don't... It's hard to say, like, to be open to all of these ideas because it kind of takes the the current political tribalism off the table and just says, "What does it mean to be a human being, and how do you promote the, how do you help a human being to flourish?" Yep. Um, and I, it, that's and that's perennially been the interest of education. That is broad. It's the formation of a young person and helping them to learn how to be happy and be um, kind of um, learn how to relate to other people and then to use their intellect and will um, for the good of society or for their own good and all of these things. So virtue training, um, 
but not, I don't know how to distinguish that from like specifically from ideology. This isn't just the Catholic tribe. This is yeah. something that's universal. Yeah. Here's your elevator pitch. Following out what Father Mike just said. Modern education teaches you what to think. Classical education teaches you how to think. Why? I used to say that a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I've the ideology that. is, this is what you will, this is what you will think. This is what you will, this is what you will believe. This is what you will. And we're just telling you, this is, it's just filling you with content information. The purpose of the liberal arts is just to say, we want to open their minds so that they understand and can, can think rationally and come to truths on their own. We don't want, we don't want the Catholic tribe down the street of this high school. We want kids who can really think and then who can really choose because it's true um, and come to that on their own. We want them to be able to fully kind of be functioning. I think your holistic point is really important also that um, one of the hallmarks of modern education is the radical division of subjects. So you go to math, it has nothing to do with history. You go to literature, it has not. And then theology is basically falling, completely fallen out because we're living in right. a secularized culture where uh, it's, it would be, it's kind of nonsense to think that you would teach anything about God uh, in school, that that has anything to do with education. So the, the radical kind of division of subjects, has that's one of the main projects, I think, is to say, how do you bring everything back? And we've had a lot of conversations about this, Larkin. Like, how do we bring all of these so that there's an interdisciplinary unity so everything is distinct and there's real rigor, but that they, that they really kind of form together a vision of how do I engage reality? I will say you've, I've heard you say that, um, teaching how to think. And the one thing I definitely see in that, um, as the versus the alternative where it is very result driven is, and I guess maybe also a question is, do you think big picture, if we started to do, um, focus more on classical education, the way we're describing it, you would see a reduction in suicide. And I say that from the standpoint of the loss of identity that comes in life of you've gone for one thing, the one result, all of a sudden you're 20 and you're out of your athletic career, or you were a lawyer and your middle age crisis, and you don't know what the next step is. You don't know how to think. So that is something that has been appealing to me in the approach of understanding those steps and not just two plus two equals four, get into Stanford, go this route. And once there's a life change, it is game over. Well, in your school, right? The <clears throat> Jay Sarah, where is Was that close to where you went to high school or is that a different city? It's funny. My best friend's dad actually coaches football there, but it's uh, Southern California. Uh, Southern Cal. Okay. And you were in Sacramento in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did he, uh, when, with that high school, do you think, does it have, um, and I want to come back because I know that I want to come back to that question you're asking about meaning, I think, and suicides and these kinds of things. But I just, just really quick, I'm curious with that high school, is your sense, does that one have, my, my guess would be that's like kind of a get ahead in life, you know, get a private education, worldly <laughs> success. Yeah. It's, uh, if you're a J. Sarah, we love you. But. I, I don't know how expensive <laughs> know it is to get cool. in there, but you pull in the parking lot and it's a Tesla dealership, G wagons. It's super nice. There was a clip of Aaron Rodgers yesterday on ESPN, like training and he's training at J Sarah. Okay. 
Oh yeah, and we have. I mean, Valor uh, is the mm-hmm. is the big school here in town. Kent, that, Denver. That has. Yeah, I mean, we don't have the old kind of patrimony of the like Coast. the East Coast would have. Like even your dad and growing up in Chicago, like yeah. um, there's a real sense of like generational history. Now Regis have been around a long time in Mullen, but yeah, it's um, not high society, but it, old but, old money or but anything. There, like there's that. a real sense of kind of if you go to this school, you're on a trajectory for you're going to be in the elite kind of strata yeah. of American life. Um, and even it works. still, yeah. uh, one of the things I find really unsettling is just like parents are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's the most important thing for us is like, I want my kid to go to a great Catholic college and then a great Catholic law school and then live a great Catholic life. Problem is the Catholic thing drops out. Yeah. So like it, we're just, we're, we're just hemorrhaging young people. Uh, they're becoming nons at an unbelievable, I think it's like 80% under the age of 25 right now. I mean, what's, what's coming is just, and we just continue to produce it right out of our Catholic school system. So like we, we've really got to uh, think, think it in a different direction here. Um, so, and the whole philosophy of um, get ahead and compete, learn to compete is, um, is frustrating in itself. I mean, there's the, there's the Catholic problem of this is not relevant. If that's my project is, is really about success. Um, but also like, there's a 1% who are victorious in this game and 99 who find themselves somehow disappointed with the progress they make. You know, you can be, you can be happy kind of working into, um, I don't know, middle management, but there is something of disappointment if you've been taught to compete and to excel and then you don't make it. Um, and that's just the reality. People yep. find, you know, you're in sports. That can yep. be very disappointing to people when their ambition since they were a child is to make the pros and then it doesn't happen as good as they are, as hard as they work. And so there's this kind of expectation of we're training you in competition and then what, what happens as life presents its disappointments if your whole identity is invested in your dreams and your ambitions. Um, so on, on the one hand, I think this piece of kind of why is there suicide and how can we like educate to avoid that? Um, I do think that the kind of standard model contributes to that simply by sort of, um, funneling us into this one mode of expectation, one place to find meaning, one, one place to set goals and um, look for the success in competing against everybody else. Um, so that's very disappointing and disillusioning. And then on the classical side, I would say that um, there's an, an interest in teaching people to appreciate the beauty in learning and to encounter beauty that is satisfying. It's, um, if you've learned to love learning and to like reading books and to like looking at the sky and to like meeting people and finding out about them and uh, simply learning, the world becomes beautiful. And this is, um, it changes the way that you live. It changes the way that you look at things. And there is a kind of priority of beauty and uh, the beauty of um, encounter with things, with the mind and um, just with life experience that I think can satisfy and help someone to, to kind of go through life in a way that's very engaging and satisfying. Um, that's not to say that there won't be problems for 
kids. Right. But um, I do think that's part of the goal is to fill life with beauty in education. And I don't think that's a priority at all in this model that says the, the goods of the world, the, the best things are simply success and being driven. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you were looking at high school right now, would you go to, would you be entertaining the new high school or would you go? That's a Regis really good again? question. Father yeah, Mike. it is. It's a great question. Would you go to the new high school? I get this question. Um, and yeah, I'm torn. I don't know. It's easy to say in this company and uh, <laughs> that it, this would be the best place to send my kids or, you know, to go to, to go to school if I were to choose. Um, I don't know if I would have prioritized the right things when I was young and uh, hadn't been taught that. I hadn't been taught that even as a, you know, as a little kid. Um, I have recommended this school to a lot of people and I believe in it. Um, it's early and it has to be built. That's kind of scary, like a small business and small businesses fail. Um, there's a lot of dreams and I hope that they come into, you know, to fruition. And, um, I think there's a lot of very, um, strong and talented people who are behind this project who will help make that happen. <laughs> and, um, so I have recommended it. Yeah. I have a few parishioners who have, um, already are pursuing and applying for this school. And, and I, yeah, I believe in that, that vision for education and have seen such beautiful things come out of this parish school that is in some way a feeder school and is definitely a classical school with um, the, the goal of making the best classical education as you can have. Well, and I think for us, for Father John and I, we're the most directly involved with this new high school, but I think in general for Catholic education. But I think all of us at this table would agree that the real project in circles like ours, you know, if, if I were in a different place in the world, I would say, you know, Number one priority is we got to make Catholic identity happen. And Catholic identity is kind of, it, it, I don't think we should assume it, but we kind of, it, it's robust at least. But I think, I think our concern is the humanity. Yeah. And so, the, and I think Patrick, like for you, when we talk about the high school, you know, sports are a big deal. And it, it seems like there's a tendency there's a movement right now in, in strong Catholic circles. I think I, I would, I would actually say it's reactive. There were, we're reacting against the culture. And I, I think for me, like the, the critical thing in life, I, I feel like my mission in life, and I think a lot, maybe all four of us could say this is to prove that you can be a really devout Catholic and you're, you don't have to be weird. And I think this is what we're getting at with education is somehow supposed to make you human. I mean, so tell me and that's a great about. lead. And I want to, I want to do a, the next episode uh, on that. So um, yeah. the opposite of weird is human. It's not cool. It's helpful if you're cool. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, but there's a lot of people. If that, you're awesome. If you're, if you're awesome, awesome. Ladies, if you're awesome, you know, and you're, <laughs> um, I'm not yeah, going to live that down. Can we, can we say this? I, I'd like to say this, but uh, team sports are essential for high school formation. If we're, if we're talking about a full human formation, education, yeah. not just as something you do, in, but that you got to have sports. Um, I'm ready to say that. I'm curious if you guys have a feeling, Patrick, 
You probably agree with that. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, as of right now, I do not think I would send my kid to a high school that does not have sports. Yeah. Or well, at least a variety and kind of robust sports program. Um, I think I fear, and I, I, pre, I guess it's just like, as I work through it for myself, um, on the other side of it would be developing the whole person, but not finding yourself in a bubble, right? Like I kind of fear though, when you start to grow mm -hmm. up, you go to this Catholic college, you go to the Catholic law school, you do this, this, and this, but the reality of all that happening and all of a sudden you get into your neighborhood and you're the one Catholic, you're not in the safe territory. How do you interact and not, you know, try to evangelize everybody in there, but maybe that is the mission. I don't know, but without like it, it becomes such an emphasis and a safe place is what it kind of feels like for me. And we've disagreed on this, like why I love the concept of going to see you, like throw yourself in the fire versus I've never been to Benedictine or Franciscan or any of that kind of stuff. But I see value, um, mainly because of my own journey. I'm a CU guy that led me here, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm Catholic. Was a rocky road, <laughs> to say the least. But um, that's kind of just something of for me where it's like, okay, I'm going to let this, I need to see this play out and how this moves forward. Yeah, I, I think it's throw yourself into the world. And you can get trapped in that Catholic bubble for sure. And then just not feel comfortable with anybody else. Right. I only feel comfortable going to church. But I've got lots of friends, right? Yeah, well, we also have a mission to evangelize the world. And if you can't be friends outside of the you know, Catholic setting or milieu, then I don't know that you can achieve even the, the mission of evangelizing the world, an important mission. And I do have the impression, and I didn't say this before, but now I feel comfortable saying that the classical schools seem to, to produce Catholic nerds. Right. And I, I'm glad to hear that you have, you know, it's not holistic if there's not a sense of, um, I don't know, enjoying the, the, the sports. It's not, I, I don't know, just sports, but extracurriculars and all that stuff too. Yeah, I, th I think that, sorry, sorry, Brian, the, the, just to, I think there's two points in there, like, we, we can circle back to sports around just like the, the formation, just doing hard things together is really important for young people. Yep. And sports facilitate that. They're not the only way to do that, but they really do that. They make yep. you uncomfortable. Um, and that's really a good thing. Mm. And it forms a kind of friendship and brotherhood. You think about the guys yep. we were, um, uh, that we spent our years uh, in youth kind of doing that with, even if it led to some shady decision-making on some of our <laughs> parts, not Brian, cause he was running cross country with a couple Mormon Awesome Mormon chicks. Um, <laughs> they were awesome. <laughs> but uh, th that other question is just like, we got to double down on human formation because we're living in a postmodern world, which is not Christian, which means that you got to be ready. These kids got to be ready to live in a neighborhood, whether they go to CU or Benedictine. At a certain point, you, you are in the world and this world is not Christian. And I was just at right. Corvus Coffee doing some study and I was getting the freaking death stare uh, from people on Bro South Broadway because I'm in a Roman collar, right? Yep. So I got to be, I got to be comfortable with that. And I got to be ready to talk to anybody about anything and actually listen instead of hide in my small Catholic bastion and just get in the echo chamber of how the world has gone to hell and how we are, are more Catholic than the Pope, which is what's happening right now, you know? So I cut you off though. No, I mean, I, I agree with all that. <clears throat> and it's just, it's a tricky question, right? It's the, 
we've talked about this a lot, Patrick, that, you know, so Patrick, so his wife, Stephanie is awesome. And, uh, <laughs> so are all of her sisters. So Patrick has these two beautiful sister-in-law, three of them actually, uh, including Jessica, but there's two of them who are at CU right now. I think this is the classic question. And so Julia, I think came on with you on the podcast and Julia is great. Her and Paige are awesome, <clears throat> but they're two beautiful young women and, and they know that. Um, but I listened to it. I was out of town or something. And so Julia stepped in and, and talked on the podcast. I think this is the question, right? So she's a strong young Catholic woman. And I think the, the, the prudential question around human formation is, and this is what every parent, I mean, we wrestle with this at the elementary level is how much do you, do you clear the way of obstacles for your child? Hmm. And to a certain degree, I think you have to do that, right? If you don't, if you're not protecting your kid from some of the dangers of the world, that's like the definition of a bad parent. But there's a way you can push it too far and for too long. And so when is the point that you can, to use your phrase, like jump into the fire? When is your kid, what level is the appropriate level of risk? And at a high school, you know, we want our kids, I think, to be exposed to the great questions of humanity over the the last, you know, 3,000 years. Is, is Homer three or 4,000? I think it's three. 800 BC, right? Was, yeah, okay. So Something about like 3,000 years. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, we want to be exposed to that, but what's the appropriate level of exposure to the culture? You know, and uh, I think that's a, that's a difficult question. I, I going back to the high school thing. Um, yeah, I mean, all of my buddies were falling away Catholics by the time we met in high school because they were in eighth grade. They got confirmed. And their parents said, "You're you're an adult now, and you get to decide what your religion is." And guess yeah. what? They unanimously chose to not be Catholic Nothing. anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I remember being in eighth grade and on my bike with my buddies looking at apartments for next year. And I came home and told my parents, I was like, yeah, the guys and I are looking at an apartment kind of by the rec center. We thought that'd be kind of cool over there. In eighth, like, eighth grade. They're like, what are you talking about? And we're like, we're going to get an apartment next year. And they're like, you don't have any money. <laughs> and you're not. So there's just this like illusion that we thought we were a lot older than yeah. we were. We were completely illogical. Like who's looking at apartments when they're in eighth grade, but it's like, yeah, we're going to move in and get some furniture. And you know, um, my parents are like, you're insane. They, they would have been really bad parents. They'd been like, well, this is great. You know, he wants to be an adult. So we're going to really encourage it. would have just been a disaster. And so at what point are they mature and ready and formed? Is Gianna ready for that? And I think that, I think focus has created an amazing opportunity to go to Catholic schools and to actually continue to be formed, continue to mature in your faith for some of us to be one back to Christ. Um, so it's not just throwing them to the wolves, you know, you got to have community, for um, sure. you know, and you got to have formation, uh, at, at all the way through. Cause really, I mean, Curtis Martin talks about the 16 to 26, this is when the worldview yeah. really kind of coalesces. And in that, that's the golden time where that's where we're losing them all right yeah, now. He calls it the critical decade. Right. And so, yeah. You think of a 16-year-old here, they're just starting that pursuit, but it's not just like you're, you're 16 or you're 18 or you're 20 and now you're ready. It's like, we got to kind of, we got to support them all the way through that process. And there's a couple of really decisive moments and parents 
have to kind of help navigate that. But I think when you're in high school, you're not as mature as you think you are. You're not as formed as you think you are. And um, that's why I'm like, we need to have a really solid investment and full human formation uh, that then continues, but that they don't, we don't have to keep them in small, small Catholic bubbles. And then, because they never re, if you do that, they're never going to reintegrate into the world to your point earlier. Very good. I think that's why I, I am so grateful that the companions are part of it. And you two, for sure, being on the board, um, one, I think for young adults to see normal young priests is huge. The one question I have in, in a lot of that, um, the fallen away side is like, even from my own upbringing, my mom fell away because of the nun with the ruler. And how often is it now that there's such an emphasis, you know, we see it all the time in, in church of like, you'll meet the mom that's like, you have to introduce my daughter to a Catholic man so they can get married. And I'm like, whoa, 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 let's step back a second. By the way, I don't actually know any other Catholic men here. It doesn't actually exist. But there's that crazy emphasis on it's so strict at home that then produces more of the repercussions of you're 16, I'm out not seeing the beauty and faith or religion or any of that kind of stuff. But there's such a driver on the other side that you're like, dude, this is crazy. And then you get to college or any of that stuff and you can watch Ted Lasso or Yellowstone on your own. You're like, this is a lot more fun versus kind of having that balance through childhood. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense to try to like not over push it at such a young age. Yeah. I'd like to see, um, just the the question of can you expose kids to opposing ideas um and how do you allow them to actually think things that um and have doubts and have think right. things that are even contrary to catholic teaching in order to weigh things and to come to owning those ideas for themselves. And I remember high school um, in particular being a time when I was really exploring ideas and, and was allowed to question whether or not I believed this, these Catholic things that I had been taught. And I really appreciate that. I mean, by the end of high school, I had gone through a whole process of, I'm not sure I believe this stuff. I need to kind of dig in yep. and figure it out. And found my way to college seminary, but it wasn't through like being, um, indoctrinated, if that makes sense. And yep. I, and I don't know how that happens without losing half the herd to bad ideas or I mean, confusing seems, children. I, I think, yeah, I totally agree with you, Mike. <clears throat> I think the, um, I think what we're talking about here is an ethos, right? Like, I think, so, so you have the classic Aristotelian ethos, pathos, logos, and rhetoric. And I think, I think what a lot of, a lot of us are tempted to, tell me what you guys think about this. Patrick agrees. Uh, what did you just <laughs> say? What was any of that sentence? So we're going to try to explain gotcha, that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> was there a comma in there at all? Like, was yeah. that just all one thing? So ethos, so, so my, my two brother priests here, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but uh, so Father Mike is our Greek expert, and we'll get to this in a second, I think. But so 
Aristotle says, if you want to make a good argument, these are kind of three stages or aspects of a good argument. Uh, ethos is kind of the spirit, but it's, it's a, the person him, him or herself and how they embody a certain spirit. So if mother Teresa says something and I say the same thing as her, her, the spirit of mother Teresa and just who she is communicate something that I can't. So that's ethos. Pathos is like passion. Um, and then logos is rationality or wisdom. And <clears throat> I think what's, what's happening in a lot of Catholic schools is it's all logos. And real quick, mm. just open myself to critique. Did I do that well? Those Good. Three? Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. They're all, they're all about, um, rhetoric. Exactly. Communicating something, convincing someone of, of something. Got it. And here are the different strategies or angles. Exactly. And I think, I think you know, what are we doing in a high school? We're, I think when in a high school, we should, like John Paul the Great is the school that Father John and I are involved with. Um, John Paul has a great phrase where he says, the church should never impose, but should always propose. And I think what we're, maybe what we want hmm. to say, and I think the Jesuits probably did a great job with this with you, Mikey. But I, I think there's a sense of, because we're scared as adults right now about what the world's doing. We just want to give logos and we just want to say, here's the rationale. Here's what you have to believe. And I think we have to be willing to say, actually, we don't just want to communicate a system of checkboxes and a system of truth in the church, but we want to convey a spirit. And that has a, and part of mm. that spirit is a freedom to engage with what other people think. I, uh, mm. I, I would agree with everything you said. I would probably kind of push into Mike a little bit on this, not to go after your experience, um, which I can't, but, but broadly speaking, but. it seems to me that we're living in a time that's reacting against that kind of logos based. The faith has been reduced to a content. You, you memorize the content and you, uh, it's, it's coercive really on a person, just like, this is what you do. This is what you're told. Here's all the rules. Here's all the ideas. Uh, accept it and uh, you'll feel really good about yourself because your family will, you'll get the rubber stamp of Catholic approval through life. That does not facilitate faith. Here's the opposite extreme, which I think we're in now. I have a 15 year old kid in class. I need to defy and break him down, basically make him lose his faith in order to help him build his faith back up. That's problematic. Why? Because at the level of ethos, you're communicating, um, Suspicion is the basis of everything, not assent. So the human mind naturally assents to truth. We're made to trust. Assent is just another way of talking about like trust. And when I'm in authentic relationships of trust and they, they lead me to the truth, I don't need to be, I don't need to unmask everything. I was just talking to a, another kind of classic product um, of Catholic school, K through 12, Catholic college, no faith. And they were giving me all the business about the corruption of the Catholic church and everything. And it's like, where did you learn this in Catholic school? Why did they teach you this? Cause they were trying to unmask, but then you we're never building them back up because we're filling them with the masters of suspicion. There are architects for the world we're living in Freud, Nietzsche, Marx, to name a few. And uh, that's just everything right now. So everything's Marxist, everything's Nietzschean. And the kids just kind of take that and they get really into reading Nietzsche now, I think at our school, they should know Nietzsche and they should read him, but they should read Dostoevsky and yeah. see, this is, a, this is a real response to this guy. They should read 
Peggy and say, this is a real response to Marx. Like there that's, are real Catholics that you that's can. That's my poem. Oh, instead of just kind of let's break them down. And so you can read the same guys, but in a really different way. Um, I guess that's the point, you know? Yeah. And not everything is learned dialectically necessarily. You can be presented with the truth and find it compelling. And, um, and to your point about ethos, I remember one of our favorite teachers who taught, uh, I think it was chemistry and biology was, um, was atheist and very open about that. And the school celebrated that, you know, we have diversity on the faculty, right. um, but he was also one of our favorite teachers. So it was like, okay, this example shows us that not loving God and not being interested in God, um, you can be a great person and be a compelling person. And that this is, you know, just, an example that was given. Luckily, we had some kind of complementary examples of um, professors who were practicing Catholics who were um, really fascinated with the truth, and it presented it in a compelling and interesting way, and then themselves were invested in in um, in the practice of the faith and convinced of the truths of the faith. And I think that's, in large part, the project that you have in front of you is finding teachers who can present that example of not only, you know, academic brilliance and the, and the ability to communicate, uh, you know, just teach, but also people who love truth and love the, their Catholic faith. Um, and that, that's, that's communicated in itself just by the example. You have a compelling form. Do we, uh, does anybody know how long we got? Here, 53 minutes. Here's a, here's a question for the, especially following up on you, but you brought up Nietzsche. So it made me think as the two board members, would you be advocates for the high school of hiring somebody pre getting beat up by Bishop Barron, Jordan Peterson, as a teacher within the high school? So not having the Catholic basis. But, you know, he, he attacks Nietzsche all the time and, and has that, those arguments. But would that be something that you would be for or against? Hiring Jordan Peterson? Yes. If, I mean, I would say, if we get Jordan Peterson, the answer is hell yes. <laughs> um, but I think, I, think, I think the trick, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, it's like girls of lords. You know, those awesome girls of Lords. There you uh, go. This is going to come back to haunt you the rest of your life. Oh, but, boy. but it's like these, these girls out there and they're like, Hey, FB, can I date a non-Catholic guy? And the answer is yes. With some big asterisks. And I think Jordan Peterson would fulfill those asterisks. And I think, I think what we need to do from, from Catholic teachers like you're talking about Mike, this professor who was had a compelling witness just of who he was, wasn't, was an atheist. We want to, the, the worry on the Catholic side is we're going to hire people who check all the boxes of orthodoxy and they know St. Thomas Aquinas, but they're just kind of flat. Uh, and we need to find people who have compelling witnesses who can be vulnerable and human and joyful. Um, the flip side in my mind, Patrick would be, yeah, I would hire a non-Catholic for sure with caveats. Uh, is it someone who 
uh, is I don't think I would hire an atheist. Honestly, I don't think I would. I think I would hire someone who at least they'd have to at least be, I would think agnostic and there'd have to be something about them. That's pursuing the truth. They're not just a closed door. It's like when I, t- when I tell girls are going to date non-Catholics, I'm like, there's a big difference between a, a non-Catholic guy who is really intrigued by Catholicism. Isn't there, you know, it's like when Steph was dating you versus a guy who is, they've made their conclusions. They're set and they're not open. And, and those are hard judgments to make, but I, I don't know. What do you think? I would probably, I, I love Jordan Peterson and I have been listening to him more and more. I think he's unbelievably compelling. There's an openness and a humility and just a, he's penetrating into the depths of the human psyche. In some ways mm-hmm. he's unpacking dimensions of the Christian experience way better than any of us are. I mean, it's, it's, you listen to him and you're just, it's unbelievable. I would not hire Jordan Peterson at our high school because I don't think he's giving a Christian engagement with Nietzsche. Mm. I think he's giving a very penetrating and very interesting one that we need to really listen to. So there's a difference between mm. who are we hiring on the faculty to, to educate, and that means the full formation of the person, and then who are we talking to? If we were actually engaging the world and listening to people and learning from the world, we don't have to hire them and let them take over our, um, our schools. There's a great uh, short story from Charles Peggy, who this, this atheist climbs up into the pulpit on the Feast of St. Therese of Lisieux, and he just starts, he gives this homily to all the Catholics, and he's like, I would be Catholic if you were not so, and he goes through this whole thing, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, berates right. him. And if we let people do that uh, and speak into us and challenge us like Jordan Peterson is doing, um, or Joe Rogan or these other types who have captivated the world, if we actually listened and, and paid attention but didn't have to compromise our own kind of the integrity of our own institutions. Um, I, I think that it would look very different at the end of the day. This is the last thing I'll say. The key to the Catholic high school for me is the incarnation. This is how God comes into the world through humanity. This is why we always come back to being human. This is the condition of everything. If you don't profess the incarnation as the central key to understanding reality, I don't want you working in my school. That doesn't mean you have to be Catholic but you better, you have to be Christian. That's, that's my take on it. So. I just got to clarify this awesome thing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. K, you were awesome because you taught me to read and you taught me well. And I've been reading ever since. Reading ever since. There you go. (laughs) That was a good fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess on the flip side of the Jordan Peterson thing, I brought this up with you the other day. But Bishop Barron, um, I've been trying to understand Stoicism and kind of figuring out that whole thing, because that's kind of the mainstream. You look anywhere in the young demographic, it's all about the Stoics. Joe Rogan just posted this mm-hmm. huge thing, and Ryan Holiday, these guys. And so I had typed it in, like Catholicism versus Stoicism, especially like kind of the go-to phrases sound very Catholic. Um, and having him explain that extra step of stoicism from the Catholic lens was was beyond helpful. It's still a very deep subject for me, um, but it took it to that next level. So having that frame of mind versus Jordan Peterson, not, you know, you have the Nietzsche argument. I find that super interesting. I don't know if I could tell right now if I was watching Jordan Peterson on my own, 
but having somebody like Bishop Barron dissect it in that way totally pushed me again towards Catholicism. And I, I just found that super yeah, interesting, yeah. um, especially because it's so mainstream with Stoicism. Yeah, and ideally, um, and I think this is effectively, the Catholic Church assimilates the great ideas or intends to assimilate the great ideas throughout human history. And that requires being open. And, um, and that's, yeah, it's, it's kind of recognizing the best in Stoicism, being able to um, also kind of critique it and know where this, the kind of uh, human formation leaves off and then um, grace builds on mm. that uh, formation. Um, so a lot of it is going to be, um, are, you, are you open to learning the best from all of these different voices out there? And there, there's a lot of good. So recognizing the good in these, in these characters, right. while also not just um, taking everything wholesale without kind of being able to ask, you know, what, what of this do I believe? What, what do I not believe? And having the tools to be able to say, um, how can this integrate with my um, my understanding of Christ. Folks, we're going to have to wrap it up here. Do you guys have an email address that people kind of check out or just your website or what? Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. Ours is rant at lordsdenver.org. You guys have the Instagram page too, which is a great feature. We do. You guys have one? No. Know Larkin's all over social media. That's I'm right. all over social Facebook. media. TikTok. Uh, and thanks, for, thanks for listening. Yeah, this is, dancing uh, on TikTok. We got four big voices in the room today. Uh, but thanks for listening to us and uh, hope it was helpful today. Spread the word. God bless you, everybody.